Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. And believe it or not, we're already in the first week of February. In fact, the Super Bowl is just a handful of days away. But, of course, I didn't need to tell you that. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, who is fresh off his trip to Mobile, Alabama, to cover the Senior Bowl last week. Nick, were you in for a rude awakening when you came home to all that snow that you guys had up north? Oh, absolutely. There was so much here, and obviously in Alabama. Well, we we had some interesting weather in Alabama when I was down there, but seeing all the snow and just hitting, what, it was maybe like 20 degrees when I got there at 11 o'clock at night on Thursday. So I was like, okay, I'm not in Alabama anymore, that's for sure. But it was a rude awakening, and I think the next day I was shoveling what felt like a, you know just a forever amount of snow. But, yeah, it was definitely a nice little surprise there. We had a mixture of ice and snow down here in Bloomington, Indiana. It was like maybe three to four inches of snow, but underneath it was a nice solid inch or two of just straight ice. And my driveway is on an incline, so I'm out there salting. I'm out there trying to chip it all up uh, for my wife can get out of there to get to school. It was, uh, it's was it been an interesting week with the weather, to say the least, but we're here to talk football, and I want to let people know what uh, the rundown of the show is going to be so they know what to expect from us today. We're going to go ahead and begin with Nick's Senior Bowl takeaways, talk about his week there, some prospects that stood out. We'll also take a look at the Matthew Stafford trade and talk about the Bears quarterback situation, how that trade could impact it or not. We'll also discuss the handful of new coaches on defense, and we'll share some lessons that we believe we have learned from this year's Super Bowl teams that the Bears should at least look at or apply 
moving forward. Nick, a lot to get to, an interesting uh, compilation of different topics for us today, but you ready to kind of get things started? Yeah, absolutely. We didn't do a podcast this week. We put all these topics together, so let's get right on to it. Excellent. Let's go ahead and talk about this Senior Bowl. I'm excited to learn a little, a little bit more about your trip, uh, what your experience was like. Do you have a, a good story, I guess, just to kind of kick things off? Yeah, so, I mean, I was there. I got uh, to Mobile, Alabama on Monday night and spent the majority of Thursday there as well. But I think the one story that I can tell here is on Wednesday night, uh, after getting some insomnia cookies, I don't know if you ever had that, Will, but delicious. They're right. So, basically, it's a late-night cookie place, and, you know, when it's 11 o'clock, 12 midnight or whatever, who doesn't want cookies at that time? So, it was right around um, the corner from my um, hotel, but... I was with Andrew Freeman from a writer from Bear Report. Just hanging out with him. We were watching film and we were just in the hotel lobby and we go to one of the big tables, set my laptop down, have the the insomnia cookies, but we started watching film on an offensive lineman by the name of Quinn Miners. White uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. He was just creating there was a bunch of headlines about him because of what he was doing in practice, but we were watching his college tape. And for anybody who doesn't know Quinn Myers and what he's capable of go to YouTube like after this podcast go to YouTube type in Quinn Myers and it's going to be under draft diamonds It's about a three minute video this guy was obliterating people and you know I had just got gotten back from a uh just a restaurant had a couple of drinks or whatever but every time I saw him just blow up some of these like d3 guys it was the funniest thing to see but he was also doing the same thing to some of these senior bowl guys which was Awesome to see that that kind of play translate, but obviously the practices were cool to to uh, cover and things like that. But watching that tape and watching that highlight video, I, I know it's a highlight video, but that was that was like the the moment of the trip there because you saw this guy just absolutely dominate at his old school. Brought that to the Senior Bowl. He ended up being uh, I think winning like the Player of the Week or something like that here at, in Alabama. But it was a uh, it was definitely a fun time to watch him just dominate. That does sound like a, a men amongst boys right there. And I, I've seen a few of those clips and you're not lying uh, one bit. Uh, I know. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. When we were talking last on the show, you mentioned that this time by, when you go back to Alabama, you wanted to try some of the local cuisine. Were you able to do that? Yeah, so at that one restaurant Wednesday night, I, I forgot what the actual dish was called but basically it's a fried chicken sandwiched in between two waffles and then on top of the waffles is a bunch of blueberries maple syrup and then powdered sugar and you know me i'm like do i get a fork with this because as soon as i picked this up will it just fell apart in my hands i I was afraid to ask for a fork because nobody else had one so it was just me trying to devour this delicious fried chicken sandwich in between two waffles covered in syrup (laughs) blueberries and powdered sugar but 
yes, I'm glad that I was able to actually try something from the local area. And I had a couple of local beers as well, which were really good. Some IPAs that they had down there. But yeah, I didn't go to, I think last year I went to a, like a Sonic and it was just like, right. why'd I do that? So yeah, I definitely did try some local uh, food there. Now, let's talk some football, though. Is there a player that maybe you didn't know a lot about prior? I know you're doing your homework, but I always feel like whenever you and I have gone to like the scouting combine in the past, there's someone that we didn't know anything about that just really intrigued us, and now they're on our radar. So did you have anyone that kind of fell into that category throughout your week? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a lot of guys, Will, that fit this category, but a guy that immediately caught my attention was this a cornerback from Oregon, Thomas Graham Jr. And the reason why he caught my attention is because the na- the the national team uh, at the Senior Bowl had a bunch of great wide receivers. But we were looking to see, well, which one of these cornerbacks is going to make a play, make it tough on these, these wide receivers that the national team has. And consistently, it was Thomas Graham Jr. just throughout the three practices who was showing up, giving some of these wide receivers fits. And they had him, obviously, on one-on-ones or on, like, the outside. But in the game on Saturday, played more of that nickel corner spot. So that was a guy that impressed me. There was a defensive lineman from Baylor, William Bradley King. And I'm like, who is this guy? What, consistently in one-on-ones, just being able to get past the tackles, get into the backfield, make a bunch of plays. And just one more guy that fits this category of people that I hadn't heard about but definitely showed up is a guy named Benjamin St. Juiced, cornerback from Minnesota. And look, that obviously Minnesota being in the Big Ten, but – Taller corner, uh, like I said, never had heard of him, but he made a bunch of plays at the end of certain periods throughout the practice. So there was a couple of one-on-ones where he's the last guy to go up against a a wide receiver, and the wide receiver is Demetric Felton, wide receiver slash running back, pretty good at UCLA, but he wins the rep. But he also wins the exact against the same exact guy, Demetric Felton, in team drills. So when a guy is consistently winning like that, you immediately catch your attention. I'm like Benjamin. ST dash J U S T E St. Juice. Like, okay, gonna keep an eye on you. And he also had a pretty good game on Saturday at the actual game. So those are three guys didn't know anything about, but they definitely impressed me throughout the week at Mobile, Alabama. And that's what's great and the beauty of the senior bowl, right? Because it gives some of these guys that maybe don't get a lot of that national recognition during the season an opportunity to show what they can do against some of that elite senior talent and kind of make a name from themselves, help that stock rise a little bit. And I'm glad that you have a few extra guys to, you know, put in your back pocket as we kind of go through our homework for the remainder of the off season here. But now I want to get into Nick's top five. I want to talk about your top five takeaways from the senior bowl. And the first one you've mentioned, there's a lot of depth at a very important position that should be a need for the bears. Yeah, absolutely. And just watching the guys that they just had at the Senior Bowl, and that's not this entire 21 NFL draft class, but there's a lot of depth at offensive tackle from Diller Redunce from North Dakota State to Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame, who also played guard both guard spots and also center while he was down there in Mobile. And then you also have a guy like Liam Eichenberg, who actually, from Notre Dame, who didn't actually participate in the Senior Bowl. He did accept his invitation, but he wasn't there. But those are three guys, Redunce, Leatherwood, Hainsey, um, tackles that maybe the Bears will, will look into. You never know. But just seeing that, like, a guy like Redunce coming from North Dakota State only played one game in 2020 due to COVID-19, obviously being from a smaller school in North Dakota State, like, consistently winning his matchups. He actually won player of the week for the national team. And seeing him show up, 
throughout the three practices and also in the game, you're like, that's a guy, a left tackle that the Bears should definitely consider just because of what they have right now at tackle. And he showed that despite playing at a smaller school, he rose to the level of competition, was able to play really effectively. But definitely tackle is a strength, not only in the senior bowl class, but also in the entire draft. Right, which I think everyone in the NFL is feeling pretty elated by that fact. All teams can benefit from it, but the Bears should be suitors for that position. We'll see what happens in free agency, but when it comes to the draft, at least as of right now, expectation is that position should be addressed sooner rather than later. Let's move on to another offense position that uh, you mentioned there's some decent talent at as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, I like to focus on watching the wide receivers go against the cornerbacks. But like I was saying earlier, just on the national team alone, Will, the wide receivers there were just stacked. You had Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, who is a guy that, that has a bunch of records there at Oklahoma State. He did tear, tear his ACL in, in 2019, but he was consistently winning those one-on-one matchups and just creating separation at the top of his route. Really fun to watch. And then you have Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, twitchy and creating separation is like how you it doesn't matter what rep it was whether it was in one-on-ones team period he was consistently doing that you also have Amari Rogers if anybody watched the game on Saturday you know how good he was in the game well you should see him in practice where it's just isolated with a cornerback it, it really isn't competition but if you're looking for a bigger body guy like those guys are a little bit on the smaller side Nico Collins from Michigan is what maybe 6'3 220 but can fly downfield and there were a couple reps where it was just a jump ball back right corner on a fade route nico collins that's that's where he makes his money or that's where he's going to make his money at the next level so it's fun to see him play i mentioned this guy earlier Demetric felton kind of a running back slash wide receiver at ucla but looked really fluid running routes there um and just in the one-on-ones throughout the week at the senior bowl Kadarius tony of course like uh, being from Florida, being one of the top prospects in this draft, being there, you just watch him run routes all day. It's like limbs are made out of rubber. It's just he bounces off and is able to get in and out of his break so so smoothly, fun to watch. And then um, the last guy there, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, he didn't quite have, I would say, the practice uh, periods that the other guys had, but he definitely showed out in the game. So it's a stacked wide receiver group. The Bears probably are going to be looking for some wide receivers with the futures of Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller being in question, but really good wide receivers down there in Mobile, Alabama. One of the things that really intrigued me throughout your time as I was watching your coverage kind of come through our Twitter account was Mac Jones, uh, because the very first day things kind of felt like they were souring out a bit, wasn't really playing up to a high level. And then later on and throughout the week, Things kind of totally flipped like a whole 180, and you mentioned here in the notes, he can play. Yeah, that's that's a big takeaway from this, and I think a lot of people are going into the Senior Bowl wondering, how would Mac Jones look with, hey, there's not these first-round draft pick wide receivers and you know these star running backs in the Alabama offensive line, even though he had a couple of players there. Well, he, he looked like a you know Heisman Finals. He looked like a national champion just in terms of how he was able to one, take command of the huddle. Like, that's something that maybe doesn't get as much recognition, but there was never a mishap when Mac Jones was in there. Being with a whole new guys, a, a new, entirely new coaching staff, the offense looked efficient. And then you got to the actual arm talent. Look, it's not like 
the ball is just screaming off his arm, screaming off his hand, right? Where it looks like there's a lot of power there, but where the ball placement is at and the decision-making that Jones is, you know, placing in each one of these passes, that gets you excited. And, like, he definitely had the, the throw of the entire three days where it's just a his tight end's running a corner route and Mac Jones leads him perfectly on the sideline. This is a Georgia tight end that I think caught, like, four passes or something all year. So he wasn't <laughs> even a big playmaker, but... Mac Jones can make you a playmaker. And that's what he did at Alabama. Well, maybe he didn't make the playmakers, but he distributed the ball to them. So clearly the best quarterback there. Um, Unfortunate that he wasn't able to play in the game due to an ankle injury, but I don't think he really needed to. He showed that he is a capable quarterback. And the Bears did actually meet with him down in Mobile, Alabama. He said he met with all 32 teams. So Bears are doing their due diligence looking into the quarterback position. But Mac Jones, um, I was wanting to see what he can do, and he definitely impressed. If you would have told me that he met with 31 teams and the Bears were not one of them, I just would have stopped the <laughs> podcast and I would have called it a life, honestly. It was, I mean, that would be insane. But I'm glad he's met with the Bears, obviously, when you meet with everyone. You don't, t- I don't know what to take from that specifically, um, but at least they're starting their homework on him as well. Uh, going into your next list item here. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Here... As we know, Ryan Pace likes to go for some of these smaller school guys, and you mentioned that there is some talent there, at least on display this week from some of those smaller schools. I already know you mentioned it a little bit. I don't know how much – are there some other prospects that you wanted to give uh, some kudos to here on the show? Yeah, so obviously I mentioned Dylan Redunce, the left tackle from North Dakota State, but there's also another tackle in this class, uh, Deontay Smith from East Carolina and funny funny story about this one will like at I have this little sheet here that they give you at the senior bowl if anyone could see that has all the names and you know you're trying to get these guys names down right where they're at from what school they come from but you're also trying to see the next rep too so I looked down Deontay Smith and I believe I put Eastern Carolina and I didn't even think anything of it a couple hours later I have all these people from East Carolina and my metrics like Hey, reporter, you should look at, uh, get your facts straight. Uh, it's not Eastern, it's East. And like, I was just getting torn up from man. Like, I'm sorry, everybody from East Carolina, I put that in quotes. But the more important thing is that Deontay Smith can play. And I have never heard of this guy and you should be proud of that. But of course it's like Eastern, you don't know what you're talking about, but that's a smaller school prospect that I like. I mentioned Quinn Myers, Quinn Miners from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, but also some Northern Iowa guys, both tackle Spencer Brown and defensive lineman Ellerson Smith. Now, Spencer Brown didn't have that good of a practice. He's like a six foot nine, uh, 300 pound tackle, but you at least got to see him and see maybe where he can project to. But his teammate Ellerson Smith, I saw him make a couple plays just in the backfield and even against his teammate Spencer Brown, but some smaller school guys that obviously like you mentioned will ryan pace has done his his homework in the past and drafted some some guys from smaller schools tree cohen probably being the most prominent one but there are some guys in this senior bowl that i can see ryan pace despair's coaching staff really looking into and then last but not least i know you talked about a lot of depth at 
wide receiver, or at least a lot of talent there, and uh, their counterparts, the cornerbacks. You saw some good things from them as well? Yeah, absolutely. Just because I was so focused on watching the wide receivers, the cornerbacks that did make plays, they obviously caught my eye as well. I mentioned Thomas Graham Jr., but I think the guy that really, from the first practice all the way to Saturday, that his draft stock just skyrocketed was Keith Taylor Jr. from Washington. And it was funny. I, I actually was looking forward to seeing his his teammate, Elijah Munford, I, I believe his name is, but he didn't. He, he accepted a senior bowl invite but couldn't play due to practice. And I think that's his last name. But Keith Taylor Jr., was showing up. He's a taller corner, knows how to contest against some of these bigger wide receivers, but he also has the flicks, the hip, the the hip flexibility to really run with these guys and he actually caused a turnover in the game just being in the right position to get his hand on the ball and the safety was able to intercept the pass, but I mentioned Benjamin St. Juice, but also another guy that that showed up from Syracuse and I'm going to try to pronounce his name right. Ifatu Melifonwu. So if Melifonwu's name sounds familiar, that's because he was a cornerback, what, I think in 2017, if I not believe, in that draft class from UConn. Well, this is his younger brother, um, Ifatu Melifonwu from Syracuse. Bigger. You've seen these guys up close. You could just see how how toned and how big they are. But this is a cornerback who looks like a linebacker almost. So he's built just like his brother, to be completely honest. Um and then another guy maybe fits into that smaller school category, Aaron Robinson from Central Florida. Very, I would say, technically sound. Probably not going to run the fastest, uh, not the most, not the biggest guy, not not the most physical, but man, he just does everything right, and you can't fault him for that. And he was just in a l- good position a lot of the time. So Aaron Robinson may be a guy to keep an eye on from Central Florida. Really good stuff there, Nick. Any final Senior Bowl thoughts that you want to kind of part us with before we move on to some of the other segments that we have planned in this episode? The only thing is that I think, well, obviously the Senior Bowl is very important to a lot of guys, but it takes on a whole new significance this year, especially with the combine not being what it's going to be, where everyone's not getting together for these on-field workouts. It's all these basically pro days. So everything I think was a little bit heightened here how you were doing against these one-on-ones and team period in the game teams are going to take a lot of count uh, put a lot of weight into that to see what you could potentially do at the next level so a lot of the guys i think they they did a lot to raise their stock which is exactly what you want to see from some of these guys that are obviously are seniors but also are looking to make uh their keep their football dream alive basically so that's the only thing i want to leave the senior bowl with it was a great time covering it long days but it was well worth it Absolutely. You did a great job, man. Uh, really awesome to watch it from my vantage point. You made my days at work uh, that much more enjoyable. And uh, I'm excited to, again, next year with a, probably a different normal schedule, you and I can tag team something like the Senior Bowl. And I'm excited to see what kind of coverage we can create, uh, the two of us, kind of like we did at the Combine uh, a year ago. And I'm still grieving a little bit about not having the Combine this year, although I understand why uh, an event like that probably is just not viable at this stage in 2021 but we go from senior bowl to the super bowl week and speaking of did you know that it's time to get your balls feeling super our partners at manscaped are here to tell you to join the already two million men who trust manscaped products for their below the waist grooming needs i encourage you to go ahead and use the best tools to reduce the nicks and cuts and get yourself a manscaped perfect 3.0 package which comes with the lawnmower 3.0 which is not just the best hygiene tool for the modern man, 
believe me when I tell you, it's the Super Bowl champion of ball trimmers. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, both aimed to keep your balls a boost in clutch time. And I promise your super balls will thank you. And the best part of all is you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with our special code TCA. So tackle your pubes and win the Super Bowl in your pants with Manscaped. All right, now getting back to business. Now that it's February, let's do a, a quick check-in on the most important offseason priority for the Bears, and that's the hunt for a franchise quarterback. This week we found out that the Chicago, they already are attempting to make some moves. It's been reported that the Bears did offer the Lions more than a first-round pick in an effort to trade for Matthew Stafford. Now, of course, it would have taken a King's ransom in order to snag Stafford and to keep him inside the division. And, of course, the Bears were outbid by the Los Angeles Rams, who sent two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and quarterback Jared Goff to acquire the 32-year-old Stafford. So, Nick, I want to know, what does the Bears putting a package offer together for Stafford tell you? Is it that Ryan Pace is truly serious about leaving all options on the table when it comes to this position? Yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. Um, there, So Ian Rappaport was the one, I think, that uh, reported that the Bears offered more than a first-round pick to get Stafford. And then I also read uh, a couple days later that Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated MMQB wrote that the Bears checked in, and they did so with the Patriots. So there's interest. There was obviously interest there, but it means that Ryan Pace is going to look everywhere and willing to possibly give anything to get the franchise quarterback that the Bears need. And I think, uh, is that encouraging? I think it would be encouraging to from a Bears fan's like, um, point, right, to see that at least the GM's will, looking to do his due diligence. But it's like, look, they also looked into Jameis Winston. That was also reported earlier. They're also looking at, um, apparently, according to Brad Biggs, Carson Wentz was a guy that they kind of looked into mm-hmm. as well. So they're, they're going to do their, their homework on everybody, as they should, because they do need a quarterback right now. But the longer you wait, you're going to see that list get smaller and smaller. Then you're just picking up at the scraps uh, if you're not willing to make a move and willing to find a, uh, a trade partner that's willing to deal one of these franchise quarterbacks. Say they would have gotten Stafford somehow, some way. Would that have eased your concern with the position one bit? Uh, to me, it would have felt a little flat. And I know Rams fans, they're also hit or miss on this as well, uh, but mostly excited. I don't know if it's because we see him more, knowing that Detroit would have all these draft picks for the Bears. I, I don't think it would have been a move that I would have came on a podcast and celebrated. It's interesting because uh, Stafford, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade, right? It would definitely be an upgrade for what the Bears have, but what you would have to give up to get him. And we, like Bears fans, we know all about Stafford. And oh, look, I'm glad he's out of the division, to be completely honest. But yeah, I don't know if that's the move. He's on the. He's not getting any younger. It's like, how much longer are you looking to have Stafford for and you're giving up this much in return? Like, if you're going to give up everything... You obviously do it for Deshaun Watson, who's 25 years old and has all these years left. But I would feel indifferent, um, like you will. Like I wouldn't feel super happy, but it would be an upgrade. I want. I would want to know what they would exactly give up. Would they also have to trade in a young player as well? I know that's what's speculated for a Watson deal. Two defensive stars, right? But yeah, I think it would have felt a little flat for me. But it, it would be an upgrade, and that's what the Bears are kind of looking for at this point. 
Did the Bears at least benefit, though, from this trade now with Jared Goff going over to Detroit? I think so. If you get Jared Goff in the division twice a year than, rather than Matthew Stafford, um, look, the last time Matthew Stafford played the Bears, he lit them up for over 400, 402 I yards remember. and three touchdowns. So, any so Stafford was 11 and 9 in his career versus the Bears, 32 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. The Bears had had the better of the Detroit Lions as of late, but I I would rather face Jared Goff with that Lions team than Matthew Stafford with that Lions team because Matthew Stafford can't get the best out of his players. I don't know if Jared Goff, I mean that's why Jared Goff's no longer in Los Angeles cuz Sean McVay knew that there was limitations. And they thought Stafford will be able to be the guy that can actually run the offense the way he wants to. So I, I like that he's out of division. I'll definitely say that. Now, you already mentioned Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, which are some of the other quarterbacks that I would say there's a little bit of buzz around the Bears right now, at least coming from reporters, and that the Bears are doing some of their homework on them right now. And I know Michael Vick also plans on telling Watson to consider a trade to the Bears. Uh, Michael Vick does have... Uh, his path crossed with Matt Nagy a couple times, both in Philadelphia and Kansas City. So I think that's something important to consider as well. And then we also learned, according to John McClain, that the asking price or the starting asking price for Deshaun Watson is going to be two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two defensive starters. Obviously, I don't think you can find a price that is too high for a quarterback to the caliber of Deshaun Watson at his age and all the potential in your future you can have with him. Would that be a package, Nick, that you're comfortable with? Again, I know starters can be uh, subjective in a way because uh, you can have guys with starting experience, um, but the name I keep hearing a lot when it comes to this trade specifically with the Bears would be Roquan Smith, and that would be uh, a real big player to let go of, but also you're getting, again, a 25-year-old franchise quarterback in return. That's a tough one. You know, maybe it's a tough one for some fans, but I'm making that trade. If that's offered, I'm going right to the table, accepting it. Take whoever you want and, and doing it. And if it's two defensive stars, they say, we want Jalen Johnson too. I'm sorry. I'm doing that as well. I'm, I'm giving them the first-round picks, the second-round picks. You could take uh, the starting cornerback oh, You're, get, you're getting Johnson. rid of the guys with the injury histories. I, I see where this is going. That, that's hey, well, wise, I mean, right? Like, yeah. Rokon hasn't finished the season in a while, so I understand – you know, that could be a concern. And Jalen, we all know the shoulders, it very much is, uh, it's a gamble for his whole career. We don't know how it's all going to shape out. Uh, we talked about that being a concern a year ago, ended up being a pretty severe instance late in the year when he had to sit out the remainder of it due to aggravating it. So if those two are on the table, I can foresee it. Now, obviously it creates two large holes, but now you have a I guess a, a longer period of time. So the gap, and if at that rate, you're probably looking more of like a three to four year plan and not win now mode anyway. So it's, it's interesting to say the least. And I, I believe the bears do have the assets needed to make an offer. And I bet you they will put together one that fits the criteria. It just honestly, at the end of the day, could depend on Watson and where he wants to go. Yeah, no, it definitely can. Um, but like I've been seeing, will. A lot of people, they stop when they see Roquan Smith's men name mentioned in the trade. It's just, like, just think of, here's what I'll, I'll tell fans. Go back and watch the Saints game. Did the Bears lose because they didn't have Roquan Smith? Not really. We were talking about that game immediately mm -hmm. after where we're like, man, we thought this would be the, losing Roquan Smith for this game or not having him available, we thought Alvin Kamara was just going to have a field day, absolute field day, tear up the Bears defense. 
They put, um, I'm blanking on the linebacker's name uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, I can't remember his name Manti right now. Manti Teo. Manti Teo, yeah. So they had him in there. Did he do, like, a great job? No. Did he do a terrible job? No. He was like, okay. So you could find guys to play that position. It, it helps to have a Roquan Smith, no doubt about it. But if that's the offer, two first, two seconds, and two young star defensive players, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, it was great watching you guys. But man, I get to watch Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. I'm I'm good with that. I think how you look at it is a the talent gap of a top five inside linebacker versus like a top ten, top twelve has a lot more weight on a franchise than not having a top five quarterback and having someone as we've had who's in that real, you know, middle average, below average range. And so if you can sure up the quarterback gap, it's easier to find people at some of the other positions that can still play at a high enough level at a serviceable level right away and then find the right candidate down the road who is your next Roquan, your next Jalen Johnson. Uh, those are easier to find than your Deshaun Watsons. Yeah, and that's, that's like the big thing with this. Like if that's what they want, you can, you can try to find people. And obviously the Bears uh, need to find depth at inside linebacker as it is, but – I'd rather have that problem than have a problem of finding a franchise quarterback because that, that's not a problem that just gets solved uh, you know, in a day or a season or a couple decades, as the Bears know. So I'd want to not have that problem for once. What else do you want to talk about when it comes to the Bears quarterbacks? Obviously, there's nothing substantive, nothing actionable that has happened yet. We're very much in, you know, speculative mode right now. Uh, speculative would be the word that I was looking for there. Um, but is there anything else when it comes to the quarterbacks? Obviously, the longer the list gets shorter, the more leverage other teams will have because options will be less. Um, but I also would fear, like the Stafford one, say they found out Stafford was available like they did, and they put out an offer, and it was the winning bid, and they made the trade. I think you do yourself a little bit of a disservice moving too fast because you don't know who could have came available for what price. So it has to be a fine balance of moving so you know moving fast, but also being calculated and deliberate with some of these moves. I definitely agree with that. I'll say this: it's going everything's going to start picking up, and we're in the you know first two days of February here at the recording of this podcast. But you want to know what you're going to do come draft time because if you mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen there. Are you going to just miss out on drafting one of the younger quarterbacks? Like, maybe Mac Jones. Obviously, the Bears talk to him. Like, you need to have an idea of what's going on. And you're probably going to miss out on Deshaun, Deshaun Watson because he could maybe hold out right up right up until the, the first game of the season or even the whole season. You never know how it's going to pan out. But this clock's going to get really accelerated really quickly. And the Bears are going to be put just on the clock to who are they going to select? Is Jimmy Garoppolo a guy that has been surfaced obviously being from uh, Illinois and and just being someone that could be uh, a connection for the Bears here I just I don't know what the Bears are going to do at this point in time I don't think anybody does I can see Ryan Pace now you know I'm from Illinois I play college here my my wife's family's from Illinois Jimmy's from Illinois I, I, I it's already writing itself yeah, uh, that was a guy I remember man when when the the Bears were thinking of drafting Trubisky I'm like well, just make the trade to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, and I don't know. I mean, yes, I would he be an upgrade? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I would say he'd be an upgrade over what the Bears currently have at quarterback. 
but how much? Like how much? Like he's a middle. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's guy. not like going from Trubisky to Watson. It's like going from Trubisky to Garoppolo. The the difference is less, which depending on what they can do surrounding him could be enough to help. But I don't think it makes you like a a championship caliber team or anything like that. Uh, I think what we can tell, and we'll talk about lessons from Super Bowl teams, and the obvious one that we already said is uh, you can't touch it, as you need a top quarterback, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's just you look at the whole, uh, what, you had Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game too. It's you need a top quarterback to make it to the uh, to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Anything else on quarterbacks? I'm sure we can have a whole episode dedicated to it, but I know you have some stuff you need to get to this evening for grad school, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. I can always miss this stuff for grad. No, I'm just kidding. But, yep, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into our, our next segment here, Will. All right, so on our last episode, we reacted to the news that the Bears promoted Sean Desai to become the team's new defensive coordinator. We also mentioned that he immediately started or needed to craft a new staff, and we're already seeing it come together as there are uh, four new Bears coaches on that side of the ball. Four? I think so. Three new, one promoted. That gets you to four. There we go. Math. We always have a little bit of a math segment on this show, too. But <laughs> let's talk about uh, some of these new coaches as well as who got promoted and what their roles are going to be. So we have, first and foremost, Chris Rumpf. He's now the defensive line coach. He was the outside linebacker coach for Houston last year in 2020. Hopefully he's pretty tight with Deshaun Watson. Just saying that right now. Uh, that was his first year in the NFL, so this will be his second year in the NFL coaching. He has 19 years of collegiate-level experience as well uh, with stops at Clemson, Alabama, the University of Texas, Florida, and Tennessee, where he coached a lot of young players, uh, defensive line, outside linebacker, all that, you know, not all that made it to the NFL, but a good chunk of them uh, were able to make it to the NFL, get drafted. So he's good at developing talent, and he's also known for having a very high football IQ. Then you have Bill McGovern. He's the new inside linebackers coach, highly experienced, 36 seasons of coaching experience, including seven in the NFL. He was the outside linebackers coach in Philadelphia from 2013 to 2015, the linebackers coach for the Giants from 2016 to 2019. When he was in college, that's where he kind of crossed paths with Sean Desai at Boston College. Uh, he was the, Sean Desai was the team's running backs coach at the time, and during that tenure is when uh, right here, McGovern did coach Luke Keekley at Boston College, if you're looking for some players that he had experience coaching with as well. Then you have Bill Suey. He was uh, the one that's promoted from the defensive pass analyst, assistant linebackers coach, to now the outside linebackers coach. He's been on the staff since 2018, risen through the ranks, started as a defensive quality control coach. Again, just mentioned the defensive pass analyst, assistant linebackers coach, and now he's the outside linebackers coach. Then you have Mike Adams, who's going to be the assistant DBs coach. 16-year career at safety in the NFL, 935 tackles, 90 PBUs, 30 interceptions, two-time Pro Bowler when he had uh, cheered a couple years in Indianapolis, former collegiate teammate of Matt Nagy, also played for the Texans in 2019. Again, maybe he's tight with Deshaun Watson. Of course, with that time in Houston, though, probably a little bit more actionable for us is that that time does overlap with Tashawn Gibson as the two did play safety together in Houston. So needless to say, though, he is very raw and new to the coaching game. So, Nick, a lot of players or players, a lot of coaches, former players, what do you want to hit on? Not really big profile names. Seems like a solid crew. You can't really find a too much on them. And obviously, with position coaches, you don't usually get a lot of nitty-gritty details. But from what I can gather, 
it seems like a pretty solid group that the Bears are putting together here as they have to rebuild this staff. Yeah, and it's obviously ones that Matt Nagy has had some familiarity with, um, being with Bill Suey, being promoting him, just knowing he, one of the guys that was actually brought in when Matt Nagy got here in 2018 still here one of the few guys that obviously has risen in the ranks so you'd like to see that that's exactly how Sean Desai kind of you know risen through the ranks and going through multiple regimes right and staying here the guy that um I'm going to be looking forward to watching to seeing how his players kind of play throughout the season is Chris Rump from the D-line coach because obviously Jay Rogers it's going to be hard to replace Jay Rogers. He's been renowned as one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL. So you have a guy that's only going into year two of coaching NFL players. Yes, he has, I think, what, the 19 years of experience. And at big programs, like you mentioned, Will, this is only his second one. And Houston, no, no doubt Houston was known for their defense last year. And the Bears know that as they dominated that defense, or that, that defense um, in, in their game that they played. So that's the guy... I want to see how's that line going to play. Is there going to be a significant drop-off? Is there going to be equal level of play? Whatever it may be, are you going to get the most out of some of those lower-tier guys like we saw Jay Rogers do consistently? Mm-hmm. So I know like a lot of these, the other three guys, they're going to have challenges themselves, but that's going to be the one. Chris Rump, the obviously second year in the NFL coaching how is he going to handle a big job? And the one where the Bears need to see their their best version of defense that they've had in the last two years, they need to have it right now because they must, it's must-win mode, obviously, as we all know. But that's the guy I'm going to be keying in on. That's a good one. I think all these positions, having new coaches, of course, it can hurt or help. It really depends on the coach and how they're going to approach this. Luckily, with this system being fairly intact, uh, the verbiage should stay relatively the same. That also helped from a schematic standpoint. I'm just hopeful that some of these fresh eyes in the building can kind of look at this talent. Uh, not maybe like an Akeem Hicks, but some of the other, you know, the little guys like you mentioned. Maybe you can learn a couple additional techniques, a couple extra pass rush moves or something like that along the way. It's one of those you're not probably going to teach Akeem Hicks anything he hasn't seen before, but, you know, keeping guys focused, keeping them engaged and uh, being able to clearly – uh, express what they need to learn are key. And I'm glad that they have coaches here that have a lot of experience. Even if some of these coaches don't have a lot of NFL experience, uh, the coaching experience still resonates very strongly to me. And I'm glad we're not just, you know, if everyone here was like a Mike Adams, like, oh yeah, it's going to be his first year of coaching. I think we're going to have some problems. We need some of that experience to kind of counteract some of, uh, even with, you know, Sean Desai, he's been around for a while, not a lot of coaching experience. So you do need some of that on his staff to get to kind of counterbalance some of that as well. But I don't have anything further on any of these guys. I just want to make sure our listeners know who was hired, what they're coaching. And then I know we also still need a safeties coach. That position still fake it as of right now. And then an offense, you're still looking for a passing game coordinator unless the made-up position for Dave Ragone isn't going to get filled. Um, and then also running backs coach uh, still aren't uh, one of those on staff right now. So the Bears still have some work to do uh, when it comes to filling out their staff and give it a week or two, and I'm sure it'll all kind of fall into place. Yeah, that, that would make sense. And, yeah, with these coaches, it's really wait and see. You have to wait and see during the season what these guys are looking like. Then you can actually make a fair and accurate like, opinion of them because as of right now, look, like I said, I have my concerns for, for Chris Rump, but – if the defensive line is playing fine, then 
guess what? He's doing his job. So we have to wait and see, wait and see approach for, for all these guys to see how their units play individually in this 2021 NFL season. For sure, man. Let's go ahead and move on to, well, it's about Super Bowl weekend here. And something that we do on our show each and every year is we do look at the teams in the Super Bowl. We try to extrapolate a couple of lessons that we can learn from them, either one or the other, collectively, finding some trends, just something that can help us maybe find a path towards the Bears one day, finding their way back into the Super Bowl. I would love to cover a Super Bowl week. Ah, just imagine traveling down there, doing all these live shows for the podcast, all the cool things we can do. One day, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to do that, but we're a little bit away from it right now. So uh, I have two lessons. How many do you have? I also have two lessons. Is one on offense, one on defense? Mm, kind of. Okay, I, that's how I kind of did mine. One on offense, that's one nice. on defense. Uh, mine's more just, uh, well, I, well, I'll explain as I go, um, but how about you kick things off with your first lesson? Yeah, just kind of looking at both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, what they did in the regular season, it kind of helped them get to the point that they are right now and just kind of sticking with, with the defense to start off. And, you know, you think about these teams, you think about their offense, but both these teams finished the 2020 regular season top 10 in turnovers created. The Bucks finished with 25 total turnovers, which was 6th in the NFL, and the Chiefs finished with 22 total turnovers, which was 10th. Uh, second, but they also finished second in the league in interceptions with 16. Just comparing that to the Bears right now, they finished 25th in the league with 18 total turnovers. But why they were so good, the Bears in 2018, they created those turnovers on defense. And that's exactly what these two teams have done. So they already know they have prolific offenses, but if their defense is giving them more chances to get the ball, well, no wonder they score a lot of points and are able to capitalize on these turnovers, get the touchdowns. But that's something like if the turnovers can go back up to anywhere close to what it was in 2018, you're probably going to win a couple more games, to be completely honest. And it's no wonder that the Bucks and Chiefs, top 10 in that category, are both playing in the Super Bowl. I like that one. It's actually a portion of my first lesson I wanted to share, which is really interesting that we both kind of picked up on that. Because with you, extra possessions matter. Uh, when Lovey Smith was the head coach here, that was a huge mantra, and that's why he always preached those takeaways because, well, his offense has needed some of those extra possessions. We can be frank about that, but whenever you take a possession away and then if you can score on it, it just further your chances of winning exponentially. But for me, my first lesson, uh, and I put the caveat, even though I know we can't touch it, but it makes sense, it still matters, with the right quarterback, you do not need to have an elite defense. Better than average really is more than enough. You don't need to have a top five defense, just about fringe top 10. Bend, don't break can also work, and takeaways matter. So for the Buccaneers, they were six in yards allowed. You mentioned second in takeaways and eighth in points allowed. The so top 10 for the most part. The Chiefs were 16th in yards allowed. They allowed a lot of, a lot, a lot of yards this year, but they're able to counteract that a little bit because they're only 10th in points allowed. And also top 10, as you mentioned, with their takeaways on defense. So even if they gave up a lot of yards, the bend don't break mentality still worked for them. And if you want to see where the Bears are compared, uh, in terms of yards allowed, again, Bucks 6th, Chiefs 16th, Bears were 11th. Okay. Takeaways is where the big one happened, as you mentioned. Uh, top 10 for both of those, the Bears were 18th, so you already took that one for me. And then 8th in points allowed for Buccaneers, 10th in points allowed for the Chiefs, and 14th. And points allowed for the Bears. So even though 
a lot of our focus is off-seasons on this offense. There is still work that needs to be done on this side of the ball. Even with a top quarterback, you still need to have a really good defense again. You don't need to be a top-five unit like we were in 2018, but you still need to be on that fringe top-10 level of defense, which, again, makes a, a lot of sense. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And scoring matters too, Nick. Uh, Buccaneers third in points scored, Chiefs sixth. That also helps. Um, but looking defensively, the Bears do need to get closer to 2018. They don't have to get all the way to that level. But again, that's if they have a quarterback too. But defense is still important. Uh, I guess is going to be the, the easiest way to kind of collect my thoughts when, around this first lesson. All right, lesson two, Nick. Move in offense. Going to the offense, and you talked about, like, obviously the offenses for both these two teams being fantastic, right? Well, a reason why that's happening is because they're keeping their quarterbacks upright. And both these teams finished top five in the least sacks allowed in the regular season. And they're right behind each other. The the Bucks finished fourth in the league with just 22 sacks allowed. And that's, they have to. They have Tom Brady as quarterback. Uh, not obviously the most mobile guy, so you need to be able to protect him. The Chiefs finished fifth in the league with 24 sacks allowed and that's a Patrick Mahomes who could create a little bit more when he gets outside the pocket and now comparing that the Bears finished 17th with 36 sacks allowed and you know obviously you can have all the weapons in the world but if you can't protect your quarterback and give him time to throw the ball it's worth nothing but the Bucks and Chiefs were able to do that for their quarterbacks credit to their offensive lines and they've they've had injuries as well kind of go down throughout the season but they were able to you know just overcome those those obstacles that they face and put together a good product that helped their quarterbacks put up the the stats that they did and no wonder they're both in the Super Bowl. So the Chiefs are going to be an interesting one. I think they're down already two offensive linemen going into the Super Bowl. So let's see how how much of a factor that plays into what happens on Sunday. But that's something where obviously the Bears they we were just talking about tackles earlier from guys in the Senior Bowl that maybe could help bolster this this Bears offensive line, but they need to get upgrades on that just that that portion of the offense, and then that will help whatever quarterbacks back there. But yeah, having a good offensive line is no doubt going to help. Good stuff there, Nick. My second lesson, I guess I did go defense and offense just like you. So pretty much aligned here for me and I know this matters with the quarterback but it's also something that we can work on schematically and also from a talent perspective I don't care which one you want to look at here but the Bears need more meaningful and that's the key word here role production Uh, when you look at I broke down the top five playmakers for the Bears the Buccaneers and Kansas City did you know that David Montgomery had the most yards of anybody in all three teams Really? That's a that's yeah. really surprising. Right. And that's what I thought, too. I was like, wait a minute. Really? And, yeah, uh, Ronald Jones is the leading yardage man down there for Tampa Bay with only 11.43. And then Travis Kelsey was the leader for the Chiefs with only 14.16, so 1,416 yards. And David Montgomery had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage this year. So the Bears had 
at least the most productive uh, player on offense when you look at all three teams. Now, touchdowns are a little bit of a different story. Uh, David Montgomery, I think, is third on that list. I don't have him segmented that way, but with his 10, uh, Mike Evans had 13, and Kelsey had 11. Oh, Hill had 17. Make it fourth. But I'm not looking at touchdown production here. But when you look down everyone else, what the Bears really lack are players outside of that top five that can contribute. Uh, You're looking at uh, the Sammy Watkins type, the Scott Miller type, the Cameron Braid, the Tyler Johnson players, because the Bears only had seven players that had either 300 total scrimmage yards or two touchdowns. The Chiefs had nine of those players, and the Buccaneers had 10 of those players. And Nick, how many times do we talk about in a postgame show if a team can take away Allen Robinson or take away David Montgomery that the offense just got stuck? Uh, yeah, when you look at some point. of these better teams, when you look at these better teams, they have some of these additional outlets, role guys that can step up and alleviate some of that pressure just a, a little bit. And when I look at this, the Bears in general, they need more from the running back depth. Tariq Cohen returning next year will help, but they still can, should continue to add talent to it. They need more from the Javon Wims, the Ryan Nalls, the J.P. Holtz, the Demetrius Harris's. Maybe not those specific players, but those guys on the roster should be contributing a little bit more if the Bears' offense wants to be able to be one of the better ones in the NFL. And on top of that as well, I think two things happen. If you can have role guys that can contribute meaningfully, Nick, one, it's going to alleviate some pressure for uh, David Montgomery and your top receiver to kind of shift some attention away. And secondly, it helps your quarterback out as well, giving them some other options that aren't just three guys. So for me, we just need more role production. I don't know if it's, and that's where it comes back to quarterback play, right? Is it the quarterback forcing things to only a select few? Is that a schematic issue where the plays are only designed? And honestly, Nick, when it comes to the bears and how they assess and talent and how they keep guys inactive all the time and having Javon Wims on the field, but only to, run block on the perimeter, I feel like they have to start trusting some of these guys to assume some larger roles as well. But uh, again, I I think that there's so many ways that you can view this with some different lenses, but if the Bears can't find more contributions uh, for some role guys, I think they're going to be continuing to be that very average offense that we've seen so far. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that's a really good one, but you mentioned it actually just at the end there. It all comes back to the quarterback. Because I think when Mitch Trubisky, when when Allen Robinson was taken away and he could be gone, so, you know, that opportunity might not even be there for whatever quarterback's playing, the offense obviously had its its issues um, going into that second progression. And that's why you're you're lucky to have a guy like Patrick Mahomes or or Tom Brady where maybe Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey isn't open. Well, okay. Who's the next man up kind of that will will be able to catch this ball, get that first down, keep this offense on the field? It really, I think, does go back to quarterback. And once that's why that's why that's the focal point of the offseason. Find the quarterback. Right. Maybe things can happen. Again, like the fact that Darnell Mooney had very identical stats to uh, Michael Hardman. Uh, Mooney actually had more yards. Same amount of touchdowns. The fact that Anthony Miller had about the same amount of yards and touchdowns, well, half the amount of touchdowns, though, is a Demarcus Robinson. Like, these are names for Kansas City that they generate a little bit of buzz, even though they're lower on the depth chart. And we have guys that are producing at a relative similar level. It's just once you get below these guys at the talent level, or at least the production level drops off so drastically, 
And I think the Bears' floor is lower than these other offenses, and they need to find a way to raise that floor. And, again, it comes down to coaching development as well, which I think has been another issue for Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've talked about that in multiple podcasts. So mm-hmm. let's see. If, I mean, they could get the right guys, but not develop them. We're in the exact same boat another season. It's a continuous process there. All right. Anything else uh, Super Bowl related? Do you want to pick the game just for old, you know, for fun's sake? Ooh, pick the game. Um, So I'm, I'm leaning Tampa Bay for some reason. Uh, I, I mean, not, look, they're both <laughs> really good Tom teams, Brady. right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you have Tom Brady. Can't really go wrong there. But I am going the Bucks. I'll say it's like a thirty-four to thirty-three game. I don't know how you get there or what what ends up being, you know, the the situation puts that that score in place. But 30, 34, 33, one real. It's going to be a one-score game. It's going to be a field yep. goal game. Field goal game is going to going to decide this uh the Super Bowl. But I think it's just going to be really entertaining. Like, this is going to be not like that Rams-Patriots Super Bowl where they couldn't score to save their lives. This is going to be the exact opposite of that where people are just lighting it up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I actually looked at this, too. For the record, real quick, I have Kansas City winning 35-31, so a four-point difference for me, but very identical to what you had as well, which is pretty interesting because you made yours up on the spot because I didn't even tell you I was going to ask you this. So uh, it's always interesting how that kind of works out. But Tampa Bay scored at least 30 points in every playoff game. Kansas City scored at least 30 points in all but one playoff game this year. So I expect, like you, an offensive show. And I think that's what the NFL, again, that's what they want in the Super Bowl as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be a really high-octane type of game. And I think that Patrick Mahomes finds a way to do it. You know, Tom Brady, you can go to the NFC. You can get back to the Super Bowl, but you still have to go through me. And that new era is here. I would love that. Uh, It was actually interesting. I was watching some Tom Brady st louis Rams super bowl highlights earlier today just taking me back to like my third grade year and remembering wow what is going on here with this tom brady guy and then you find out like oh i'm still here talking about him all these years later it's just crazy and like just last thing would be like how they're going to the no huddle at the end and john madden's like i just need it and i play for overtime boy (laughs) has the nfl changed yeah, it's it's well. Look, I mean, that was almost kind of like a similar thing with the Packers in their NFC Championship game, right? With um, the situation that they had against the Bucks, where if you're not aggressive, a guy like you know Tom Brady's going to take advantage of it. Look what they did right before halftime—that deep touchdown mm-hmm. pass to Scotty Miller. Like, you need to just take advantage of the time that you have. Be aggressive. Good things. Well, good things can happen, but if you get be complacent. You end up like the Packers, and you're at the exact same place where the Bears are at, sitting at home watching. I was going to say, I know we didn't do a show last week, but uh, I'm glad we can talk about the Packers losing in the NFC Championship game just a little bit here to end off this show. And I'll tell you what, Nick, when I was watching that game and they decided not to go for it on fourth down, I was like, that's such a Bears move, and it's going to bite them, and they're never going to see that ball again. I've seen this. I've read this story before too many (laughs) times, and I was – very surprised that they did such a Bears type of move, but also it was fun to watch it. You know, this Roger Santa sideline never having that other opportunity because I know how that feels. And uh, watching Green Bay have to suffer through it was it, it made for a good day. Absolutely. I mean, like when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's how do you even that this that shouldn't be the outcome that you end up doing. You have Aaron Rodgers, you go for it. There's no question asked, but. Yeah, it was it was great seeing, and then the oh, I loved how Green Bay Packers fans complained about the blatant 
That was a holding call. His jersey is stretched out. There's no <laughs> dispute there. I know that they weren't really calling much, but like seeing people like complain about that, like, come on, it's it's a it's a flag and take the loss and go home. And Aaron Rodgers, you have the same amount amount of NFC Championship victories as Rex Grossman. Congrats. Wow. Tremendous for Rex, by the way, because he's a little <laughs> bit more efficient with his appearances. You know, 100% winning percentage in his NFC Championship game, so that's that's always nice. And again, I coach at his middle school, Grossman, so that that it, uh, it just makes my whole day now putting it all together. Nick, awesome, full circle. <laughs> all right, last thing: what would be the one food that you must have during this Super Bowl if you had to choose just one? Ooh, if I had to choose just you know what, I'm really craving some buffalo chicken dip. Like there that that needs to be on Sunday at the table. It's I'll make it like I I made it before and it turned out pretty good. Um but that needs to you be cook? there for me. I'm uh, scared. See, I, I, made I would it never once, eat it. Literally once and so not really though, to answer the question. Um uh, but what about you, Will? I like that's that's just one for me that I, that I want to have there, but what's what's your go-to dish or something that you want to try or have on, on Sunday? Really good grilled chicken nachos. Uh, I did those Ooh. for the IU Ohio State game way back in November and uh just a new kind of recipe and I was just kind of playing around and they were they were pretty damn good. Uh so I think those are going to be on my menu. If there's one thing I must have though each and every Super Bowl, you mentioned buffalo chicken dip. I need some hot wings. Okay. I got Yeah, I, you can't go you know, wrong. Give there. me some hot wings. Varying levels of uh you know, you have some barbecue, you get some like spicy garlic, you have a whole variety and you just pick and choose and you have yourself a good time. That's so uh, you know that's well, we're not staple. we're not covering the game or anything. So I like I don't like eating you could wings. Have food. You could have, yeah, I could eat during the game. Yes, so that's going to be fantastic. Uh, before we, we sign off here, Will, I know uh, early on in the show I was talking about one of the Washington cornerbacks. Just want to get his last name right just because, you know, I like to be correct there. His name's Elijah Molden. So if anyone were to come back at me, I could at least correct it here. You just had to listen to the end of the podcast. Elijah Molden. He's going to be a player to well, actually the Bears could look into for sure. Did you pronounce it incorrectly early? No, I just forgot. It said his last name started with an M, and I said, okay. I don't know who that guy was, but I don't know who, who he is, but it's Elijah Molden Washington. Oh, I can always splice up the episode, and I can put, you just said the name, right? I can just insert it randomly in there. Like, you know, when I'm talking about Elijah Molden, and then like, it just sounds all robotic. <laughs> it's going to be all stuff, just be loud compared to everything else, Elijah Molden. It's but... like those dubs on the TV when they say something, and obviously that's not what they said. Yep, exactly. But, uh, yeah, whatever you want to do, Will. You don't have to do extra work. I at least corrected here if people want to complain about it. It'll be just like the Deontay Smith from East Carolina. Oh, man, that was that was an experience for sure. <laughs> Not like Eastern Illinois University. No. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Pace, Eastern Illinois. There we go. But all right, right on, man. Let's call this an episode so you can go to your uh, grad school obligations here this evening. I want to thank everyone here who's watching the live show, whether it be on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, and, of course, to the thousands of podcast listeners around the world. A very special thank you to each and every one of you. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word of our show. It really does go a long way uh, for us. So if you haven't yet, please, I encourage you to do that so right now. Uh, on top of that, have a super week. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about the next time we go behind the mic. We'll figure it out. But until then, bear down, Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.